Hi, I am Pastor Cham Chilombo and welcome to my podcast where I aim at interacting with you, encouraging you and equipping you for the work of ministry. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. So this evening, um, this evening we are going to look at types of sermons. So last week we looked at preaching, proper feeding, uh, but today, to advance on what we started, I want us to look at the types of sermons. Now, it's very, very important for us to, um, to know the types of sermons that are there. Because many times, people preach but don't even know what type of sermon that they preached. Okay, or what type of sermon may be required. So, we have a lot of people just preaching anyhow. Okay, a lot of us preaching anyhow, going around things anyhow, without actually knowing this type of sermon that I'm giving is this. In this context, what is required is this type of sermon. So it is not every sermon type that applies in every context. Okay, there are different contexts and you can use a different type of sermon in whatever context, depending on what you want to achieve. So that's why we want to look at different types of sermons because there are different types uh, of sermons in themselves, okay? There are different types of sermons in themselves. So today, I want you to take note because we'll be doing a recap uh, next week also. So take note uh, of the pointers. So the first type of sermon that we'll look at today is an expository sermon, okay? We'll look at an expository sermon. That's the first type. We'll look at several, but the first type is an expository sermon, which comes from uh, the word expose, okay? So that's the first type of sermon, an expository sermon. Now, what is an expository sermon? Okay, an expository sermon is a biblical sermon, okay? This is a biblical sermon. The expository sermon occupies itself with the exposition of the entire scripture chosen. And I'll give you examples, but let me read it out for you. Okay, so an expository sermon occupies itself with the exposition of the entire scripture chosen. This sermon begins with a text and enlarges on the idea presented by the writer. Okay, so these sermons are not merely about the Bible. They are the Bible, okay? They are Bible-centered sermons. Bible-centered sermons. Now you'd say, Pastor, all the sermons are Bible-centered. Yes, but these ones deal with an expose, you know, where you literally unravel, you know, you undress the scripture, if I could put it in that particular context. That's an expository. So it starts with a text, then you begin to unravel the text, you begin to unmask the text. So the first one is an expository sermon. So expository sermons are biblical instructive preachings, okay? They are biblical instructive preachings. The purpose is to teach what the Bible is actually saying. The purpose of these is to teach what the Bible is actually saying. Expository preaching uh, expounds on the intent of the scriptures, okay? Expository sermons will expound on the intent of the scriptures. Let me read the the first three points about expository sermons. Number one, uh, expository sermons occupy themselves with the exposition of the entire scripture chosen. So they start with the text and then we enlarge the ideas from the text. Expository sermons, uh, number two, are biblical instructive preachings. 
Okay, the purpose is to teach what the Bible actually says. Number three, expository preaching is preaching that expounds the intent of the scriptures. So now, uh, let me give you an example of uh, an, an expository uh, preaching. So for example, an expository preaching will involve, an expository preaching will involve, um, um, for example, we had done surveys some weeks ago, I think must be a month now. We had done New Testament survey and we picked the book of Corinthians and we began to do uh, a survey of the Corinthian church. So if you are doing an expository sermon, it's not a shallow sermon. It is a sermon that is giving a proper expose of the scriptures. So, for example, under an expository sermon, okay, under an expository sermon, I may, for example, uh, pick a text, okay? I may pick a text or maybe I may pick a, a book, maybe like Corinthians. And I say, okay, I want to teach from the book of Corinthians and I want to address the things that were going on in the book of Corinthians. So firstly, in an expository sermon, I'll begin to explain to you the geographical background. I can add that into an expository sermon, so I may add geographical background. I may add cultural background. Um, I may add um, maybe Greek or Hebrew meanings of the scriptures. I may add who wrote it, uh, who he was writing it to. The reason why I'm doing that is I want to expose the scripture or the book that I'm, uh, I, I'm actually teaching from. So if I pick, uh, for example, uh, um, is it 1 Corinthians 12, when Paul is addressing the Corinthian church, okay, when you read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, he starts to give some sort of order with regards, I, th I think it's 1 Corinthians 12, if, if I'm wrong, someone will correct me, but then he starts to give some sort of order as far as... Um, how they were supposed to uh, administrate the ideal of speaking in tongues. So he goes uh, on mentioning to say, if one is speaking in tongues, let there be an interpreter. And as you read on, sometimes it starts to look as though Paul is saying, don't speak in tongues. You know, of course, at the end, he concludes we with, with, we should all speak in tongues, but let's do it in an orderly manner. But as you read on, you will discover it looks like he is against speaking in tongues. Sometimes he is for speaking in tongues. It seems like he's just here and there, here and there. Okay, so if I was to pick that book and I want to do an expository sermon on why we should speak in, in tongues, because I know a lot of people like the Catholics use 1 Corinthians 12 to tell us not to speak in tongues. So in an expository sermon, I will use that scripture to explain what the Bible actually meant. So one of the things I would go for is I would start to explain saying, in that particular culture or in that particular time, the Corinthian church in that time had just received a move of God. So in that particular, so this is me expounding on the scripture. So at the time, the Corinthian church had received a move of God. And in the move of God, they didn't know how to administrate the giftings of the spirit. That is why Paul emphasized that they should not be ignorant about the giftings of the spirit. So at that time, they had experienced a move of God and they were unaware of how they were to administrate the move of God. So I'm explaining to them at what point the Corinthian church had reached. They had received a move of God and they didn't know how to administrate the move of God. Okay, that at one point 
speaking in tongues was just something that everyone would just do in a service. Everyone would just do, you know, they would speak in tongues just anyhow. That post us to give them order. Even preaching, they wanted to do it in tongues. Okay, they wanted to do it in tongues, but Paul had to bring order. Okay, okay, if you want to give a sermon in tongues, at least let's have someone who can interpret. If you want to give a prophetic utterance in tongues, let's have someone interpreting. So Paul is not necessarily against speaking in tongues, but what Paul is addressing is order. So now in that you are touching the cultural setting, you are addressing the type of people uh, he was dealing with, at what time the people were at, what they were dealing with. And then you are bringing out the light of what was actually happening in that particular scripture. So that's an example of an expository sermon. Okay, you begin to break down a scripture, you unmask it. Sometimes you can even stay on one little scripture, just unmasking it. Just unmasking one scripture, saying, okay, this is what was happening. Then you go breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down. Because an expository sermon seeks to unravel the scripture. Okay, so it seeks to unravel the scripture. And I think at the end, we'll try and see if we can go into some examples of what an expository sermon would be. So I'll ask each and every one of you uh, to, um, to actually contribute. So I will end here for an expository sermon. But then the advantages of an expository sermon. Let's go into the advantages of an expository sermon. Number one, it produces a biblical preacher and hearer. Okay, advantages of preaching in an expository manner. It produces a biblical preacher and hearer. So ultimately, the purest preaching focuses on the Bible and brings out its timeless truths to the lives of the hearers without diluting the intent of the writers. Under expository sermon, you can't do what I refer to as a pick and drop, where you just pick a scripture and say, you know, uh, the Bible says, you know, uh, Philippians 4.19 says, I will be blessed according to his riches in glory. You know, you will be blessed according to his riches in glory. You will be blessed. I declare blessings. That's not expose. When you pick Philippians 4.19 and you say, my Lord shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. You will now have to go back to the previous scriptures where Paul is addressing the people in Philippi and he's addressing them because they had assisted with missions. So because they had assisted with missions, he then now says, my God shall supply all, my, all your needs according to his riches in glory. So because you had partnered with God to assist in missions, it caused Paul to say, that is what triggered the God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. It was because they had partnered in missions. So under expose, you give the context, you give the brief, what was happening, what made Paul say it. So you don't just speak it and say, God, uh-uh, under expose, you can't do that because you're exposing the scripture, you're unmasking it, you're unraveling it, okay? So that is why it produces a biblical preacher and it produces a biblical hearer. So when you preach expository sermons, the people that are listening to you will be biblical people. They'll be grounded in the scriptures, okay? And also you will produce a biblical preacher because for you to preach an expository sermon, for you to preach an expository sermon, you must be grounded in the word. You can't expose a scripture you can't unravel a scripture if you are not grounded that is why you find many people that don't give themselves to reading cannot do expository sermons they love pick and drops why because expository sermons require hard work study so that you can know what was happening in their time what what was meant what is the greek word of this you expound it what does this 
connote to? What is the cross-reference scripture? This scripture I'm dealing with, you will find it was prophesied by Jeremiah. So you have to actually read a lot. So it will produce a biblical preacher and a biblical hearer. Okay, that's the advantage of a, a, a expository sermon. You will find when you preach a lot of expository sermons in a church, you will find that the members will be so grounded in the word that they will never love it shallow. They want to be grounded. So expository sermon. Number two, the advantage of expository sermons. Expository sermons draw its direction from the original message rather than simply using scripture to develop a topic or theme based on the speaker's study or observation. So expository sermons uh, basically deal with what the scripture meant, what the author meant, what the writer meant. It is different from just, uh, in an expository sermon, you draw the message from the original intent of the writer. Okay, you draw the message from the original uh, intent of the writer as opposed to just picking a scripture to fit what you want to do, okay? In an expository sermon, you are explaining what was in the word, what was the intent of the writer, what was he addressing. It is different from you just picking a, a scripture and applying it to what you want or having a topic and then saying, ah, which scripture applies to, give, to the sermon I have? You know, what scriptures are there that relate to this? Then you look for it and say, ah, then you integrate it and you begin to teach. And you say, even in the Bible, it says this. No, no, no. Under expository sermon, you will teach it for what it was meant for. You will teach it for what it was. It won't be you having a topic in your head already. Then you, there's a difference between exegesis and exegesis of the scripture. So under exegesis of the scripture, you develop your teaching from what the scripture meant. Okay, that's exegesis. But then under exegesis, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing them correctly, but then under exegesis, you find that someone already has a topic and then picks a scripture to agree with their topic. And by the way, that's the worst method because there's always a scripture that seems to agree with you. But of course, it's out of context, but you will agree. Okay, you can even, uh, that's why there are many people who, you know, say that, uh, you know, homosexuality is okay and they use the the, uh, the 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 relationship between Jonathan and David, okay, to connote that homosexuality is correct. So they had the topic already. Then they went to look for scriptures that could agree with the topic. But under expository sermons, what you are supposed to be doing is to read the scriptures, and then the scriptures give you a topic. There is a difference. There is a difference between having a topic and finding scriptures to agree with you, and reading the scriptures, and then the scriptures giving you a topic. Many people have a predetermined topic, and then they find some scriptures that will agree with them. That's why you are wrong, okay? Because you had a topic, and then you found some scriptures. Many motivational speakers do this also. You know, they have certain motivational quotes and things, and then they find a scripture that seems to agree. That's why they can quote a scripture that seems to align but is outside context. But when you are dealing with expository sermons, you would have to go with exegesis, which is you read the scriptures and understand what it means. And from there, the scriptures tell you, this is the topic you can address from me. The scripture should tell you, if you are the one that tells the scripture which direction to go, you are wrong in most cases. In most cases, you are wrong. You, you can't be the one to tell the scripture, e, 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 scripture, e, na, na, palakona giving. 
if we never have a giving, uh-uh, you, you can't do that. You can't do that, okay? You have to read the scripture and the scripture gives you the message because the scripture in itself has the message that it was intended for. So you don't say, giving. No, 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 no. You allow the scripture to give you the message. Don't come with a message, then find a scripture that agrees with you. That is why when you, for example, the scriptures say, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You know, and under a pick and drop message, people will say something like, um, you know, something has to die for you to progress. Because the scriptures say, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Something must die. In as much as we want to do warfare and kill things, it's important to understand that when the Bible is saying, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, it is not talking about someone dying for another person to see. Okay? In the year that King Uzziah died had become a landmark. So, for example, you can say, oh, I gave birth in the year that King Uzziah died. Our business started in the year that King Uzziah died. It had become like a landmark, like the way you say, um, you know, in the year that uh, we changed government, that is when my business progressed. It was a landmark. Okay? It was a landmark. It was not necessarily, uh, you know, more of like, a repercussion of something like the dying of King Uzziah is what caused uh, the seeing. No, 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 no. It was a landmark. Okay. So because something happened, oh, we changed regime. When we changed regime, that is when our ministry started. Okay. In the year that my father in the Lord was ordaining people, that is when I was commissioned. So it became a landmark. Okay, the year that King Uzziah died. So it wasn't necessarily a repercussion. But if you're doing pick and drop, you just say, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Then you say, now nah, everything must die. Uh-uh. In as much as we want to kill things in warfare, okay, or destroy things, there must be appropriate ap application of the scriptures. Okay, so let's go to some advantages. Another advantage of uh, expository sermons. Then we can um, Then we can go to the other one. Okay, another advantage of an expository sermon is that expository preachings confirm to the biblical ideal of preaching, okay? They confirm to the biblical ideal of preaching. So if you're writing down, write this down. Don't just laugh. I know you guys are laughing. Don't just laugh. Write the pointers down. They will bless you. So expository preaching confirms to the biblical ideal of preaching. It confirms Okay, it was the method Stephen, Stephen used in Acts chapter number 7 all the way through 8. Okay, he did a general overview of the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. Okay, so he did a general overview of the Pentateuch, showing that the culmination of Israel's story was the cross of Christ. So Israel's story was a culmination of the cross of Christ. So he did that exposition in Acts 7 all the way through 8. So while most of his listeners were less than favorable to his analysis, they would, have, they, they would have had to admit at least that he was preaching God's word. So it confirms to the biblical ideal of preaching. That's an advantage of expository preaching. Now, in as much as expository preaching has got an advantage, it equally has a disadvantage. Okay, it equally has a disadvantage. So what is the one disadvantage that you think expository preaching has? Okay, um, I'll still keep this for the recording. I will not stop the recording. Um, 
let's see uh diana what do you think is the one disadvantage then we'll try thelma after that because uh you guys have not spoken so what is the one disadvantage yande if you're still there i still need you to vindicate yourself you've been giving me the wrong answers today uh praise god so diana what is the disadvantage we've looked at the advantages what is the disadvantage of an expository sermon? What would you deem is disadvantage to an expository sermon? You can unmute your microphone and just speak. I want to hear you. What would be a disadvantage of an expository sermon? No, that's why it's an expose. It's not supposed to bring confusion. It's exposing the scripture. If it brings confusion, it's not expository. You are just maybe even masking it. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that contribution. But then, do you want to try again before I allow Yande to, to, to vindicate herself? <laughs> okay, Miss Yande, please vindicate yourself. <laughs> yes, what's the disadvantage? It doesn't allow so much for experiential theology in the sense that you'd share more of okay um and you deem that a disadvantage okay yande says it doesn't have a personal uh touch um i don't know if it's a disadvantage uh, of course, yes, I, I understand what you mean because experience has got a way in which it brings relatability. Um, um, okay, I, I think let me keep that one for now. Yande, you still have uh, time to vindicate yourself in this session. So uh, I, I, was, I, I like your answer, but I want to hold on to it. Sililo says she wants to try. What's the disadvantage of an expository sermon? But anyway, let me agree with Yande for now. I think I like that. Exposition, expository sermons are too conforming. I think that's the word you were looking for. They are too conforming. So it's, it, they, they conform you to a certain way you should go around it if you are to teach in an expository way. Okay, so Yande, that vindicates you. So yes, they are too conforming. Um, maybe you lacked the language for it. Um, okay, great. So let's see, Sililo, you can, you can, you can try. What, what is the disadvantage? So number one, Yande has said, too conforming write that down expository sermons are too conforming so write that down as a disadvantage uh sililo you're up yes okay so the second answer you have given uh musanda will come up after this the second answer you have given is similar to yande it's too conforming so it doesn't allow you to stay relevant to the current topics okay so you may want to deal with something that has just come up in the church Maybe, for example, there's money schemes and you want to uh, ensure that the church is uh, educated on those issues. But then uh, you are dealing with an expository sermon on a subject. So you have to stay there. So it's too confirming. That's the second one. So we are still on too confirming. The other one is you dealt with time. Okay, so time, you are correct. Um, which would lead to the second advantage. I think you mentioned it, but then you just didn't give the maybe the, the language I was looking for, it's monotonous. It's too monotonous. Expository sermons are monotonous. Sometimes they can go on for weeks because I've noticed sometimes when I do an expose, I could be in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number one or 1 Corinthians 
chapter number one and maybe pick just five verses from there. And I am stuck, literally stuck there because there's just so much. Okay. So it's monotonous. Then the other one you do, you, you mentioned time. So the, the first disadvantage is, is too conforming. Number two, it's monotonous. Uh, number three, uh, excessive text for little time. So an expository sermon is not something you, 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 you deal with in an exhortation. It, you will find that you start but not get people to where they should be. So in an expository sermon, you will find that you have excessive text, but with very, very little time, okay? It's difficult to deal with an expository sermon in a context that you have very little time. You have 20 minutes, then you want to do an expository sermon of uh, the book of Corinthians. It may not work. Maybe you were listening to a pastor who addressed it in, um, in a meeting where he had time, then you're only given 20 minutes, then you want to do a full expose. So when you go that route, it's either you explain a few things, but not necessarily complete uh, your study, which may leave people wanting. Okay, so that's a disadvantage also. Um, Musonda, what disadvantage would you give for an expository sermon? Okay, again, what you are addressing is too conforming. Okay, um, it's it's too conforming. It's still in the conforming thing because. Uh, in as much as you may draw some lessons from a particular event and then relate them to now, uh, expository sermons have got a way in which they conform. So, and let me read your language because I don't think I can remember. You said the chronological nature of an expository uh, explanation may not be suitable for the non-consequential nature of events, which is, I think, what Sililo uh, was trying to address also, only not as complex as you have put it. As you can see right now, this almost is like an expose of, we're just looking at one sermon and how it goes and you've seen how much time it's taken us. We've not even gone to the other types of sermons. So this is one of the other thing, time, which is what I, I think I mentioned. Okay, the other thing, which is an, a, a disadvantage, then I move. Uh, the other thing that is a disadvantage uh, to an expository sermon is it can make you lazy sometimes. So why does it make you lazy? In as much as it requires hard work, it can also make you lazy. So when there's hard work, you will learn, study the material. But once you know it, it can make you lazy in the sense that you may get settled with uh, the expose of a series and you fail to seek the Lord on direction because you are just jam-packed with all this knowledge. So you don't even want to seek the Lord for direction. You just have all this beautiful knowledge. That you can share you can share from part one part two part three you know because you have been preaching it for a long time so sometimes when you're not careful under expository sermons you can become lazy and you don't carry a fresh touch to your messages that's only if you're not careful it can make you very lazy because you have the information that is why many lack of spontaneity thank you yande i think you're trying to vindicate yourself that's correct so you may find that uh people that teach expose in most cases uh, usually the, 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 the modern day person would want to even deem them boring because they've been teaching the information for a long time. They have these notes, you know, on this subject. So they have them. They can even teach for four months. They can teach for three months, you know, on the local church. They can teach for, you know, two months, you know, on 
on a, on a particular subject on sanctification they can teach on for three months on this subject they can teach for four months on finances so because of that sometimes it can make you lazy a 365 day series on faith oh my that would be long okay sometimes it can make you very very uh lazy if you don't necessarily um understand okay if you don't necessarily understand it um, madam grace please mute your microphone um so it can make you very lazy if you don't necessarily um go around it the right way so that's why i've seen a lot of preachers who do this one those that are not so spiritual these are the ones we call theologians even though theology is not supposed to make you cold, but many people are theologians. They read from a book. They have their notes. There's no spontaneity like Yande has put it. It's, they have their pointers like that. They have notes and series. So it can bring laziness. You don't seek the Lord. You just know, oh, today I'm starting this lesson. Okay, where are my notes? You get your notes. You start teaching them. Okay, just like lecturers do. They have a lot of notes. They just go, which class am I? Where was I last week? You know? Oh, I was here. Then they continue from there and they begin to teach. So it can make you lazy, no spontaneous, no fresh touch if you're not careful. But an expose is good to produce uh, a, biblical, um, a biblical church. If you want to have a biblical church, an expository sermon is good. So maybe um, there, were, there, are type, there, there, there are various types of expository preachings, but I'll not go into them today. We'll look at them a little later. But then I would want to ask this question. Um, what would uh, what what are the right contexts for preaching expository? I know you can still do it in a church service um, because many from but what would be the, the the right context or where would you be more glad to teach in an expository way? Um, where would you be more glad in a Bible study? Okay, yes. Where else? Where else would you teach? An expository sermon. Of course, they could be taught everywhere, but where else do you feel more inclined to to go after an expository sermon? Where else do you feel more inclined? They could be taught everywhere, but where else do you feel more inclined as an individual, as a minister? Um, okay, Wallace, I wait for you. Personally, I love to do expository sermons a lot, but I have I, I don't do them so much within church. Okay. I don't do them so much within church. Mentorship class, okay, yes. A minister seminar, yes, I agree. And, 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 and all these things, these, that's why even as a church, to produce the biblical church, we can't just rely on Sunday services because they, they can't only be limited to uh, exposés, okay? Because sometimes you'll find you can go on for four or five weeks with one series because you're not done. You can't just end it anywhere. So you started on maybe let's say a series on, uh, on, 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 on faith. You know, this Sunday you start, the next Sunday, if it's an expose, you can even go for five weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, just dealing with faith. Okay, then you find that the current topics that are coming that the church may be facing, you can't address them. Okay, so it may be difficult in a church service sometimes to do an expose, but you can still go for it. Maybe do a three-week uh, series, a two-week series, a four-week series sometimes. If God allows you and the Spirit of God is on that message, it will still carry fire. But uh, for me personally, when I want to do, definitely not during evangelism. Nowadays, people run away from, uh, okay, I'll not say the last part because it will be in the recording. Okay, 
definitely not dur during evangelism, okay? Definitely not during evangelism, okay? So in evangelism, you are dealing with the ABCs, okay? Which is accept, um, believe, and confess. So it's a straightforward, quick, uh, quick way. Then after they have accepted him as Lord and personal Savior, Okay, then now we began, we begin to disciple them to help them understand their decision. So that's when we do a lot of exposés. Okay, so in discipleship, we do a lot of exposés. So we want to ground them biblically because even up until today, you will discover that there are certain people who are even serving within the church on pulpits. But when you ask them concerning things that are fundamental on righteousness, okay. Uh, and topics on the blood, the cross, you know, they can't explain those because they never had proper justification. They never had proper discipleship when they got served. So under after in discipleship, when someone has gotten saved, you need to do a lot of expository teachings, a lot. Okay, that is why those of you that are in here in discipleship, do a lot of expository teachings. Don't just say, you know, I feel the anointing, I feel the power, I feel the glory. You know, I feel it in my chest, I feel it in my legs, I feel it on my... <laughs> you will not groom the new converts, okay? You will not groom the new converts. So let's do a lot of exposés. Uh, Johan and your team are great. Um, I, I know you are learning. So expository same like even the way I've handled this, it's in an expository fashion, okay? And I've been here for a long time. We've not even moved. We were supposed to do, I thought I would finish all the types of sermons today, but we've not. So those of you in discipleship do that. But anyway, I was explaining that the place in which I would do, uh, Yandel, still 10 minutes from you. I know you're supposed to go, so I'll allow you to stay 10 minutes longer than I can close. So I would do... Um, I would do an expository sermon. I think in the context you guys have mentioned, uh, maybe we're doing a Bible study. Maybe I have gotten leaders and we are doing a retreat. I want them to be grounded. So in that, I would do an expository sermon, okay? Or expository teachings or in a minister seminar where we have sufficient time, do a lot of exposés, ground them in the word of God. We need those as a church, okay? Sometimes it may sound boring because it's not picking and dropping and declaring over you. But then I am sitting you down and it will literally humble them. Everyone is humbled in expose. You are seated, writing notes, going scripture after scripture, verse after verse, explaining what they mean, explaining what was said. It will humble all of us, okay, when we do exposés. So they are very, very uh, important that we do. So I would, hand, I would go around exposés in those contexts, but of course I'm not limited. In a church service, I would do an expository sermon and try and be creative as possible. If I'm doing it in one Sunday service, um, um, finish everything I'm doing or at least conclude so that people are not left wanting. Okay, so let's go to the second type of sermon, uh, which we will not finish, I think. The second type of sermon. Uh, the second type of sermon, which, which one will I pick? Um, the second type of sermon is what we refer to as a textual sermon, okay? A textual sermon. A textual sermon, okay? And as I explained, you will discover that sometimes I teach a lot on textual sermons. And also I've noticed there are a lot of preachers that do a lot of textual sermons, which are really good and nice if you know how to handle them. Bishop Imakando loves textual sermons, uh, if you listen to his amazing teachings. 
So the, the second one is a textual sermon. Are we still together? I, I, I'm, I'm seeing everyone is quiet. Are we still together? Okay. So the second type of sermon we'll look at is a textual sermon. A textual sermon. Okay, great. We're still together. So what is a textual sermon? Okay. What is a textual sermon? Let's pick one to try it. Okay. Am I breaking for everyone or it's just Yande? Am I breaking for everyone or it's just Yande? Please communicate before I continue. Praise the Lord. Am I breaking for everyone? Clear. Your hand says clear. You are not breaking. And then we know your hand's place has got bad internet. If you can hear me, then it's it's good. Yande, uh, there's a challenge in Chalala. <laughs> oh, only Chalala because that's kafiu. I feel touched, Musonda. I don't think I'll agree with you there. Um, okay, okay, let's move. What's a textual sermon? What What do you think a textual sermon is? Thelma, if I say I'm going to preach a textual sermon, what do you think it is? A textual sermon. Thelma, I want to hear you. What's a textual sermon to you? Okay. Uh, okay, you can mute your mic. I'm getting feedback. Okay, you, you, you have a point. However, you've just not hit it on its head, but you have a slight point. Um, so when says what in the text, uh, it says, a sermon which is confined to a particular context, not quite, not quite. I don't think I would accept that if I was marking an exam. Um, what is a textual sermon? Anyone else? Diana, Diana, unmute your microphone. I want to hear you. What is a textual? If you have an answer, please don't hesitate because the names that are coming up to my head easily are those that I'm seeing in the comments field. So it's easy to call out someone because I'm constantly seeing them in the comments field. Uh, Johan, okay. Johan, okay. Try. Okay, that's correct, Johan. Uh, that's correct. Uh, Diana, do you still want to try? Do you still want to try? Yes, I like that you've said narrowed down to a particular passage and the uh, scripture is broken down. Yande says in the comments field, a sermon that relies on pointers, picks a text and draws out pointers from the very text. Sim uh, slightly touching on an expository sermon, but not entirely. It sounds googled, but you're correct. Very correct. Okay. Uh, very correct, but sounds googled. Please prove me wrong. Just say, Pastor, you are, you, it's not googled. It's not Googled. If, if it's Googled, I will know. <laughs> oh my, I've been thinking on Yande. <laughs> Sounds too organized. <laughs> Please vindicate yourself, Yande, before I move on. We have to release you guys in 10 minutes time. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Okay. Um, pa, it's not Google. Great. Okay. If you're telling the truth, then you have vindicated yourself. That's the most accurate one, I think. A sermon that relies on pointers, picks a text and draws out pointers from the text. Slightly touching on an expository sermon, but not uh, entirely. Okay. So a textual sermon is similar to an expository sermon, which Yande has shared with us. Uh, similar to an expository sermon, but it is based on one abbreviated passage. Okay. So in a textual sermon, the outline comes from the text itself. So in a textual sermon, the outline comes from a text itself. 
Okay, so in this method, the structure of the message is built on the Bible text, of course. There should be a single dominating theme, but it is developed by expounding on the specific passage used as a text. Okay, so the textual sermon usually involves a shorter passage and a more detailed analysis. So you pick a shorter passage, then there's a detailed analysis. So there's some expository uh, traits involved, but then you are stuck to the text and you are just picking out the pointers uh, from that particular text. Okay, so you may pick, for example, maybe um, one to, how can I put this? You can pick maybe one, about 10 chapters of a, of a scripture or five chapters of a, of a, of a passage, sorry, five verses of a passage, and then begin to explain those, uh, those verses. So for example, um, I was teaching Holmgren something earlier today because of something I had seen that he did, which I, I, thought, I thought was a mistake. He was attempting to do a textual sermon, but he didn't do justice to it. And I talked to him about it. Um, so, and I've seen some of you guys do it also. You've made that mistake also. So anyway, he didn't just do justice in expounding the points, which is what I wanted. So for example, if I'm doing a textual sermon, uh, who can give us a quick example? Okay, let me give you a quick example. Then, uh, for exa then another one will give us just a quick example. Maybe we'll just end with the textual sermon today because, ish, I don't know. I feel maybe these meetings should be longer, but then Yande and their team always have their evaluation meetings today. Um, for example, I could pick maybe Malachi chapter number three, okay? Maybe start from verse seven, maybe all the way up until 10, okay? Uh, you know, how it talks about how, you know, people are asking, you know, um, how, how have we robbed you? And then God responds, you've robbed me in your tithes and in your offerings. Okay, then it goes on, the famous verse 10, which, which says, you know, uh, tithe and see if I'll not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will be no room enough to receive it. So if I am doing maybe, for example, an exhortation on tithing and I read that particular portion, I'll pick my pointers from it. So I can say, so number one, the first thing we see from that scripture is that those that do not tithe or pay their tithes are robbing God. So we can establish from there, if you rob or if you are stealing from someone, it shows that that amount of money is not your money, okay? Because the Bible is calling it robbing God. So we can establish that not tithing is robbing God because the Bible explains that we are stealing from him, okay? And only it is only when you, anything is defined as stealing when, uh, it is not yours and you collect it. And the other thing we see is that the Bible always refer, refers to it as paying tithes. It doesn't say giving tithes. It says paying because it is not yours. It doesn't belong to you. So that's why you are paying back. That's the first point we can, we can pick from that. Okay, then you go maybe to verse 10 and you say, uh, verse 10 maybe says, you know, uh, see if I will not open the windows of heaven. The second thing we see from the tithe is that the tithe, opens the windows of heaven okay then you explain maybe an expose of what the windows of heaven do the windows of heaven being the access points for provision so you explain a bit of that and the windows of heaven are access points to god's provision every time in the bible you see that the windows of heaven are open there is provision you know that is that comes to the church there is provision that comes to an individual individual there's provision that comes to a nation so those windows of heaven, when we tithe, the windows of heaven open, okay? Then you move to the next one. 
that there will be no room enough to receive it. The blessing will be so much that there will be no room enough to receive it. Okay? Then you explain on the room and the, and the like if you, if you like. If you like, then you go forward that there may be food in my storehouse. So you explain how that the tithe helps sustain kingdom activities within the house of God. And you are done with your text, your sermon. Okay? You pick the portion. Then you picked out pointers. And then from those pointers, you were exposing them. Of course, they should be one running theme. Okay? They should be one running theme, but you were picking pointers and expounding on the pointers. Then going to the second point, expounding um, on the pointers. Sililo should do the exhortation per Sunday. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Yes. Sililo does a lot of these. Textual sermons, but with exposés. Textual sermon with exposés. I think... Uh, um, I think Yande has done this also before, at least as as uh, uh, that's as far as I can remember. Uh, or maybe many of those that have done an exhortation uh, have done a lot of textual sermons. They'll pick Yan Diana does them a lot also, uh, a lot of textual sermons. Okay, great. So you yes, even Johan does a lot of those textual sermons. So you are not limited to the text alone. You can draw from other sources. But your main reference is the text, then you pick pointers from the text. Okay, yes, Yande, there's many. She does a lot of them. A lot of them. Sometimes you can just be going, like she read a verse. She read a verse, but the Bible says, and then she explain, explain, explain. Then go to the maybe next verse or the next sentence in the verse. Then explain that verse. Then go to the next sentence. Then explain that verse. Then go to the next sentence. Explain that verse. Okay. So, yeah, so there's some expose. But then there's, she's, she's teaching from the text. Okay, so anyone give us an example of, uh, just like the way I was giving an example, you don't need to be articulate on it. Uh, you, you can just be rough around it and say, oh, I can pick point number one as this. Who can give us an example of how they would go around a text? You tell me what text you pick and um, um, what pointers you can pick from it. What text you can pick and what pointers you can pick from it. Okay, do we have anyone? Because I want to add one more sermon. Then I can go. Then I can go. Okay, anyone? Okay, let me pick on someone. Uh, John 11.35. What does John 11.35 say? And how, please unmute your microphone and, 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 and give it to me the way it's supposed to. Jesus wept. Okay, how would you go around that one as a textual sermon? I don't think... Okay, let's see. Let's see. Let me hear from him because sermon preparation is a science and art like we looked at. Musonda, please, I want to hear that. And Johan, you can come after. Okay, uh, Musonda, nor I don't agree on the, the, the Jesus wept one. That would fall under an expository sermon, not a textual sermon, uh, because of how limited. I know it's not limited. You can still expound it like you were expounding on it. But then you would not have pointers to pick from the sentences or the, 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 the things that are addressed in the verse in itself. So that one, though correct explanation for expository sermon. So you can just say, Today I'm reading from John 11.35, Jesus wept. Then in an expository way, you begin to explain what that means. Uh, Yande, please tell your team you will start at 
or so. Let me just uh, go around a few things so that I don't truncate the message. Um, then, Johan, please go for it. Then I can give the other types of sermons. Okay, you have gotten the the right breakdown. Just mute your, Yeah, you've gotten the right breakdown in terms of the, the, you've gotten the principle of picking a text, then picking the pointers and teaching from there. However, the point where, where do you think Johan has missed it? Um, okay, go, go ahead, Yande. Where do you think, I think the, where you've, you've, you've missed it, um, 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 Johan, sorry, where you've missed it is basically that, um, in case you didn't hear, Yande, I said that um, your meeting should start at 21.30. In case you're, you're going for that, that's what you want to run away for. Um, anyway, let me go back to Johan. I said Johan has gotten the principle. However, the part where Johan has missed it is the part that is dealing with having one running theme. So you have picked pointers from the scripture, but uh, the, 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 the challenge that is there, okay, the challenge that is there is that you started with favoritism, but then you moved to uh, the anointing of Jesus and how he went about healing people. Um, there was two different topics there, okay? So I would want you in your free time, when you do a, a textual sermon, and this will be an assignment, we will all do a textual sermon. Pick a portion of scripture and expound it. Okay, so have one running theme. I should know this is the theme here. This is what you are addressing and you will submit it by tomorrow night. Okay, so I'm giving you time between now and tomorrow 8 p.m. You should submit it in, in, in written form. Okay, written form, a textual sermon. It doesn't necessarily have to be well explained. You can explain a bit under the pointers, but... Uh, not very long explanations, just pointers and a sh some short explanations of what you mean. Okay, so do a textual sermon which will be submitted tomorrow at 8. Okay, so Johan, I like that you caught the principle, uh, but you have not picked one running theme. So you don't want to have, in verse 1, you're dealing with the anointing. In verse 2, you're dealing with money. In verse 3, you're dealing with relationships. No, no, you want to have one running theme as you pick a text and you're breaking it down. So otherwise, I love that, that you've caught the principle. Okay, uh, another type of sermon. Let's go to another type of sermon. Then the other ones maybe we'll leave for another day. Another type of sermon is a biographical sermon. Okay, do we still have Thelma here? Thelma, uh, you are the youngest here. So what do you think a biographical sermon is? A biographical sermon. What do you think a biographical sermon is? Okay, Yande Malama, that's not Thelma, that's your mother speaking. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know, they sound alike. Um, okay, so both Musonda and, uh, and Mam Grace are correct. Okay, so <laughs> Thelma and Mam Grace, what's happening? Uh, okay, so both of you, um, both of you are correct. Okay, Msonda and Mam Grace, you are correct. A sermon that looks at a particular Bible character, as Msonda said, and I think 
uh, mom has also alluded to that. So biographical sermons are drawn from Bible characters who serve a positive or a negative example of actions and their results. Okay, so there's examples you can pick. So for example, if you wanted to teach on pride, okay, which character would you pick? Um, Yande Malama, vindicate yourself. Which character would you pick if you want to address pride? And humility, Thelma, which one would you pick if you wanted to teach on humility? That would be yours, Thelma. Musonda, that's not your baby to nurse. Um, or your, okay, Judas, okay, Judas. Pride, I would go for betrayal more with Judas, but however, uh, I know there's pride that could still be drawn. Humility, Thelma says Mary, okay. Um, great, okay. Um, okay, Diana, who would you pick if you wanted to teach Joseph? Joseph for what, uh, Steve? Joseph for what, humility or pride? Uzziah, Uzza, pride, okay. Um, great, okay, Stephen says pride. Okay, Joseph, pride, okay. Um, how would you explain that, Steve? If you're able to, how would you explain how do you use Joseph as a Bible character to explain pride? Okay, <laughs> he used to show off the coat of many colors, telling them, I, ha I have a dream, <laughs> I am the chosen one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I think I can buy that. I can buy that, um, with that explanation. Okay, so pride. Okay, um, Nebuchadnezzar pride. Okay, yeah, that's also correct. Uh, so biographical sermon. So you pick maybe a topic you want to address or from the life of an individual or a focus from the life of an individual. Maybe their devotion to God. Uh, maybe you could pick David uh, if you want to do that, maybe. Um, but you pick a character, a Bible character, and you begin to break them down. It could be a life series. It could be a series. Maybe if an individual had so much happening, you could do pride from an individual. You could do devotion from an individual. You can do repentance. And you know any what you can pick, and it could be a series, or it could just be a one-off one sermon where you pick the life of an individual. Um, what would you do? How, how, what, would, what other thing would you do to make a, a, bibli a biographical sermon relatable? Okay, what do you think you would do um, to make a biographical sermon relatable? Um, Musonda, what would you do? I want you to unmute your microphone. What would you do to make a biographical sermon relatable to our current times? Okay, Yande, again, that's, that's not your baby to nurse. Uh, okay, but, okay, Musonda, go ahead. Okay, so great. You have answered. Uh, however, I just wanted it in one sentence, but you've still answered. And what you are saying is um, you would relate to a current happening in our time. So, uh, yes, that, that's correct. Uh, also, Yande has given us another answer uh, related to a real person or even yourself. The, the people in the Bible are not real people. <laughs> what do you mean related to a real known person okay so the language you are looking for yande is a, a contemporary character someone within our time frame okay that's a contemporary ca character so you relate to 
people of old in the Bible than a contemporary person or character. So, for example, if you are dealing with uh, a biographical sermon and you are addressing maybe um, pride, for example, many of you mentioned a lot of people as far as pride. You mentioned Uzzah, you mentioned uh, Joseph, you mentioned Absalom. So there were many people you mentioned with regards pride. And uh, to make it relatable with our timeline, yes, I love that, within our timeline or contemporary uh, time frame, that's contemporary is basically referring to our timeline so that would be the more uh, accurate word so if you relate to a contemporary character okay it will help enhance relatability so for example if i share a story on pride maybe i would pick the guy uh who is it the guy who built the titanic i think there's something he said one of the things he said is that this ship is so perfect i can't remember his exact words but he said something like this ship is so perfect it even not even jesus can sink it not even god can sink it then it sank <laughs> then it sank okay uh so that is a character contemporary character out peak so under biographical sermon so you can do a biographical sermon those are they're very nice sometimes you just pick a character and you begin to break down okay then you refer to some contemporary situations or some contemporary people under a biographical situation. Temptation, who would you pick if you want to if you want to do temptation under biographical sermons? If you want to do temptation, who would you pick? Who would you pick if you want to address temptation under a biographical sermon? Maybe you pick the life of an individual. Okay, Johann says Judas. Who would you pick? Who else would you pick if you want to address temptation? If you want to address temptation. Okay. Judas only? Who would we address if who would you pick as a character in the Bible? And also add a contemporary character you would add where temptation is concerned. Okay, so yes, Judas from Bible, from the Bible, but a contemporary character, okay? When you are addressing temptation, can you just give me an answer. One, one biblical character, one contemporary character. Then we, we, we start to conclude. Please, please, quick, 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 quick. Let's, let's do this quickly. Okay, let me just call someone on the microphone. Okay, oh, sorry, my, my messages weren't showing. Okay, Joseph, yes, Joseph for temptation. Joseph, David, Samson, Delilah, yes. Joseph, Potiphar's wife, in incidents. Yes, mom. Ananias and Sapphira. Yes. Johan. No, I don't. I, I don't want Johan. <laughs> Yande says faith, Muson. <laughs> Samson and Tiger Woods. Okay, yes, that's a contemporary character. Um, <laughs> that's. That faith musonda comment hit me. Okay. Anyone else with another contemporary character you would pick uh, as you uh, as you as you teach? A contemporary character you'd pick to um David and Bashimundi. No, that's that's comedy. That's comedy. I want a real, a real, not government. That's too broad. Uh what happened to Tiger Woods? 
Babe Tiger Woods had a situation, I think, with women. Um, I, I don't remember the story exactly, but I, it was in some kind of relationship scandal. Uh, Sili Lomaswabi says Bill Cosby. Yes. Yande uh, Malama also says Bill Cosby. Great. Uh, anyone, any other contemporary character you'd, you'd pick if you want to address the issue of temptation? A famous one. I don't want people that we already... Don't say Johan. Ara Kelly. Yes. Uh, he would be a contemporary character one would pick. Do we have anyone in the Christian circles, a contemporary character in the Christian circles? Maybe uh, maybe people would say, yeah, it's expected for non-believers to misbehave. But we want to deal with the fact that even believers face temptation. Maybe that's the point you want to bring it to and that they could fall into temptation. Which Christian, uh, maybe contemporary individual would you bring into the picture? Uh, let's, let's try and go maybe with someone of old. In the in, in a move of God or something, no, I will not say that. On um, nor I will not say that. Also, uh, I don't know even how those have gone through uh, uh, temptation, as you would put it. But I will not mention those. <laughs> okay, anyone maybe in revival times, in revival times, <laughs> those I will not mention. On the recording, I'm every, as long as those that are listening, you should have been in the meeting. Um, okay, um, okay, silly law. I agree there. Okay, okay, I can read that one out because it's actually documented. And yeah, Catherine Kuman. Okay, yes, mom, Catherine Kuman. Yes, Johan also. Um, Great. Okay. So anyway, I think that, that that's it for those biographical sermons. So now when you are dealing with a biographical sermon, you also want to, because expository sermon has got a way it filters into all, almost all of them if you have to teach well. It filters into all of them. Of course, there's what I would refer to as pure, um, um, pure expository sermon and also expository sermons finding their expression in maybe a biographical sermon or a textual sermon or something like that. So when you are dealing with a biographical sermon, you have to be uh, very careful how you go around it. So um, if you're dealing with that one, you can, you can, uh, how can I put this? You can draw out some lessons, go into some background. Joseph was a guy that was literally given everything. He was given charge over everything. Everything was under his care, except there was one thing. Then you start to draw your lesson. Usually temptation who come from that one thing. You may have a wife whom you can kiss, whom you can touch, whom you can hug. But then there's usually always that one thing you are not allowed to do. That is what the enemy will always find as a point of temptation. So we see Joseph having access to everything. But the one thing he wasn't allowed to do is the one thing that the enemy used as temptation. Then you can even cite, because under biographical, in as much as you're dealing with the character, you can cite other people. You'll find that the children of Israel, every time they were given a law, they would break it. Every time they were told to avoid something, they would break it. So you start to explain like that, then you start to explain how temptation comes, and then you can pick other characters who face similar temptations, and then you draw your points, draw your conclusion. Maybe your conclusion could involve how to overcome uh, temptation. Okay, maybe that could be your conclusion. How can one overcome temptation? And then maybe you use other people who've overcome their strategies. Me, I do this. Me, I do that. This is how I go around it. Or this is what the Bible 
recommends. This is how this guy overcame it. Uh, this is how this person overcame it. Like Joseph, he feared the Lord. So that's how he overcame it. He, he said, I will not do this sin against God. He didn't say against my master. He said against God, because if it's against your master, you can you can break that loyalty. But if it's against God, you can't. So that's how he survived. Um, so let me end here for the night, lest I become too long-winded. Um, so we end here for the night. Uh, it was really, really good to... In